My name is Brandon Burns, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer for Peaks Recovery Centers here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm joined today by my two fellow colleagues, Jason Friesma, one of the therapists in our program, and additionally, Clint Nicholson, also a therapist within our programming. So mm -hmm. hopeful to bring your two brilliant clinical minds together to help answer some of these questions that I have top of mind today. So thanks yeah. for being here. Glad to be Thank here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we all know I forced you guys to be here. So. <laughs> you, you did. That's yeah, right. you, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. You have the capacity. As the chief executive officer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Feel good about this so far. I do. So far, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so recently, I've had the opportunity to um, join the admissions department to support them as we've built additional team members or added team members uh, to the team in that regard. And so I've been able to engage in front-end phone calls coming into Peaks Recovery Centers. And one of the things that um, I'm just fascinated by in answering these phone calls is that the phone calls aren't generally addressing major issues on the forefront of treatment, you know, that my son's suffering from addiction or these sorts of things. It's, it's often I'm looking for treatment that lasts for 90 days or 60 days or 45 days or 30 days. And for me, that doesn't mean a whole lot in my experience in working in addiction treatment and sort of just curious from that clinical lens what that means to you all, or maybe what is trying to be expressed in that moment? Okay, good question. I mean, I, it, my, I suspect people are trying to express that they're desperate for help and as much help as they can get. And certainly in addiction treatment, I think it's been pretty well demonstrated that the longer somebody is in some form of care, some level of care, the more likely they are to remain sober for the long term. Now, that doesn't mean that people need to be in, say, a detox level of care for 60 days or 90 days or even residential level of care. But I do, I do think, I think what parents are asking for is like, this is, I think they're saying this is really bad and we need a lot of help. That's my guess. I, I agree with that. I also think it speaks to the, um, <clears throat> the sort of lack of understanding and knowledge about what actual addiction treatment is. You know, these ideas that, you know, the fact that they're hanging on to a time frame rather than to, a con to, to content or to actual programming, just to, I think it does, it comes from a place of fear, but it also comes from a place of just not understanding and a sort of lack of education, generally speaking, about what, what we do in addiction treatment and what that actual sort of programming looks like for their loved one. So I think it kind of speaks to both of those sides. Yeah. Well, I think, Brandon, we've talked before, like, the 28-day model, it's not like that was a clinically-based right. length of stay for residential care. That was fairly arbitrary uh, designation for a treatment episode, if you will. And certainly, I think it's becoming increasingly common knowledge that just going somewhere for 28 days and then going back out to the same environment, that doesn't tend to work very well. However... Um, allowing somebody to kind of start at a high level of care and then work their way down to lower levels of care usually can provide kind of a, a longer length of support and accountability for individuals. I mean, I think that's those steps of care though, like that's, we have access to that information and that knowledge because we're part of the industry. I think for families though, it's just right. this, yeah, we know that 28 days doesn't work. So, well, that means, you know, if it's 90 days, you know, we're, it, there's that much more opportunity for whatever is going on to work, but there's still this idea of I will send my loved one off to this sort of 
this, this magical space where they will get healed and they will come back the person that I remember them or the person that I want them to be or the person that they want to be. But the reality is that that's, just, that's not what the process looks like. You know, there is this sort of, um, uh, these, these sort of levels of intensity and this sort of gradual building back into the community that a person has to go through while they're in the, the treatment process. And the reality is at 28 days, that's really just a pretty long detox, right? Like it, but it's, the recovery hasn't even truly begun at that point. It's really, um, at that point, it's just a matter of, I'm not using substances in this moment, but I haven't actually started a recovery program. Yeah, and, and certainly in our experiences working within addiction treatment, you know, one of the things that comes to the phone next is this array or a history of, of this array of diagnoses. My son or daughter suffers from severe alcoholism and major depressive disorder and type two bi, you know, bipolar disorder. Um, the nature of addiction is, itself is quite complex, but then it has all of these mental health components alongside of it. So what can we tell families you know, maybe about the order. Are we starting with substance use disorder first, those craving states first, before we can even peel into depressive states um, or working on those mental health states? But what can we tell families in that regard um, about the order of that process and the most efficacious approach to, you know, sort of calming those diagnoses concerns over what is a fairly short episode within treatment? Mm -hmm. Um, so, for example, one of the uh, things I think we've talked about, at least at some point, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy as a practice in the direction of um, curing a major depressive episode, in the evidence of it, it can actually um, do a lot of good over a period of three to four months. But Johnny's only interested in treatment for 30 days, and we need three to four months just for the major depressive disorder, but he has this severe addiction on top of it. Um, it seems wildly inappropriate to think that we can resolve all of that within these limited time frames, even a 90-day episode. So where do we start? I mean, that's a great question. And obviously, there, there tends to be, at times, with a fair amount of people, there needs to be some sort of medical evaluation and intervention uh, with, with medication. I, I am always a little bit suspect when people walk in with, not suspect, that's the wrong word, but when people walk in with kind of a laundry list of, of diagnoses, you know, to me as a, as a counselor and just how my brain works is I kind of set that aside and then I just try to meet the person where they are. And, and oftentimes uh, diagnosis sets, if you will, are adjusted even just weeks into a treatment episode because either new things emerge or... The, the mood dysregulation was in a large part due to the substance misuse and, or vice versa or other issues are begin to pop up now that the, the effects from the drugs are wearing off. And, and you know, really, I think, I, I think your question too is like, how do we address these things with families? And I think it's learning about an entire client or per person, I want to say, actually, learning who they are and what is driving the addiction and mental health stuff with, with the background of our clinical knowledge that some of these things are probably going to require medication, some of these things can be dealt with in therapy, and then some of these things, some of these symptoms and traits might even resolve themselves just with some uh, sobriety and healthy nutrition and, and good sleep hygiene. <clears throat> well, 
I'm going to take this a slightly different direction. I as think, we do. Yeah. As we do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think the idea of, um, as, of substance abuse um, or addiction somehow being different than a mental health diagnosis is the first fallacy. Yeah. So really actually starting there and explaining to families that you know, addiction is a mental health diagnosis. Like it, they are one and the same. To be able to, to, to say that we're going to start working on this one but not this one is not actually real. Like yeah. you're, the whole person is what we start with. Like, like Jason mentioned, you're gonna meet the person where they are and then that's where we, just, that's how, that's where we know we're gonna go. Um, so really, I think educating uh, you know, families in particular as far as like, look, there is no real difference between these two types of treatment. And I think the industry is kind of, uh, over time has sort of wisened up to that, that the, the way that we treat, um, besides pharmacologically, the way that we treat addiction from a behavioral health component and the way that we treat mental health from a uh, behavioral health component are really similar. There's not uh, nearly as much distinction as we thought. At the same time, it doesn't change the fact that in 28 days, we're only gonna be able to get so far. In 90 days, we're only gonna be able to get so far. And I think it actually helps to frame in, um, in a more realistic, pers um, uh, in more realistic terms this idea that you, just like you can't cure or get rid of depression in 90 days, the same is true for addiction. So I actually think by drawing those two more closely together, it helps to sort of get rid of some of the, I don't know, um, the myths that have come up regarding what addiction is, what addiction treatment look like, looks like, the timeframes that that exists in. So. Well, I think, to your point, in, in those first few weeks or even a couple months, I think a fair amount of the work is about helping people get some symptom relief. And then, right. truthfully, <laughs> I'll just be the, the therapist here, like give them some hope that like mm -hmm. things are progressing and there's a way to keep progressing and there's, there's a way to continue to experience greater relief and greater uh, adjustment to life and, and more and more ability to mm, function or more ability to connect with others or, or more ability to, uh, well, just feel comfortable in one's own skin. And so I just... I think it, it's, such a, it's such a process and, and, and these diagnosis sets, and, and diagnosis sets aren't even perfect. Like they, they're, they're the best description we have and there's overlap and there's uh, differential diagnoses and how do we distinguish all of that and, that, and good diagnostic work is important, uh, but it, it isn't um, complete. That's not a complete picture of a person. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, for, for the sake of uh, time for this show, maybe we can only cover three bullet points today. But one of the major things that I, you know, heard a lot in my time being back on the admissions line was that, you know, Johnny or Sally's past treatment episode, it didn't work. Um, and the frustration about that. And it seems like behind the veil, there's, you know, some sort of excusatory lens going on for a different episode. But at the same time, what do you hear as clinicians when you hear, you know, the clients now in front of you, you know, for the first time walking you through sort of what has brought them to Peaks Recovery, and then they say something like, the last treatment center didn't work for me? Yeah, and I think I used to really maintain a very similar mindset to that, and I, the more I do this work, the more I really sense that what is didn't work, what does that mean? Actually, exactly. I, a lot of people who have been to six, seven, eight treatment, they actually have a lot of knowledge. Right. They actually, 
I sometimes even joke that they could probably even facilitate groups or do an education on something. And, and oftentimes I'll ask them to do that. So it isn't like it, it didn't work, like there's some knowledge in there, but there's, there's just a component either missing, um, because that's a little bit of maybe even some shaming talk that something didn't work. I, I've never seen somebody that's gone through a couple of rehabs that can't at least have a little of that hope that I was just talking about that, that's like, okay, I got, I got some traction, but something fell apart, or like I just need a little more help to figure out what happened. Yeah, I, I agree with part of what you said as far as uh, what I hear is there's a, an expectation that wasn't met. Not that a treatment didn't work, but there was an expectation that wasn't met in treatment. Um, again, I think that there's this idea that the treatment is the, is the actual recovery, like the actual programming is what's going to bring the change. And it's not, like the, it's just, um, it's the spark, right? That's all it is. But if there's no kindling there, then it's, there's no fire that's going to start, you know? And we end up, uh, and then I guess you just end up blowing a lot of smoke, right? So um, I think that with clients who have done, have been through this process over and over again, and um, with families who have this idea or this perception of things not working, a great place to start is what is your expectation for treatment? And us being really clear about what we are offering and what we are doing and what, what these outcomes are actually going to look like um, rather than sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of feeding into this idea that, again, we're going to be able to sprinkle some magic uh, recovery powder and, and people will leave ready to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and so, you know, for me in closing, it's a, it's a reality that we have to have this time extension within treatment. It takes a long time to quell those craving states. I think the, you know, studies point at a 50% reduction in relapse after year one and 85% uh, chance of success after year two. Um, and by year five, I think it's less than 5% chance that you're relapsing in the process. So, but we don't have five years in addiction treatment, nor is you know, United Healthcare as a, as a payer gonna pay for things yeah. like that. And so there's a lot of challenges to get from day one to day, you know, to year five in that regard. Uh, so to me, it sounds like one of the most important features of addiction treatment for anybody who calls and says 30, 60, 90 days whatsoever, it's not just about day 90, it's on what is now taking place on day 91, 92, 93, and Absolutely. so forth and beyond that it has to have this intentionality about it, but at the same time it's complex because it feels that patients pull the, you know, the parachute cord day 30 and feel like they got it and then don't do any of the work thereafter. So you know, kind of in closing here, what can we you know, maybe insist upon or share with families about, uh, about these time frames and to really put intentionality into thinking about this in much longer terms um, and then creating expectations about what we can do in 30 days, but what the expectation will look like, you know, a couple years from now. So what, sorry, what do we tell them in that regard? How do we, yeah, what, how do we frame that to yeah, families? Exactly. <clears throat> I think, well, A, learning how to set measured expectations. Uh, um, and, and to me, some of that language, too, is around how do we, how do we help families, well, meet, meet their loved one where they are, too. And, and then, it, to me, you know, it's, it's our job at Peaks. It's our job to provide our care. And then all the time when I'm meeting with clients, I'm thinking about what, how do I help empower our case management team to make sure that 
as the client transitions from one system and into the next system that that's seamless and uh, robust enough to, to help people maintain their uh, sobriety from substances and uh, any, any big relapses in mental health. So I, I think just helping to cast a vision over the next couple steps and that it's gonna take work. Like this doesn't, this just doesn't go away, uh, mm -hmm. even with sobriety. Like this, this does have, take some work. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I would actually speak to something that you had mentioned a little bit earlier, Jason, this idea of the tiered levels of care and, and actually educating families on what that is, you know, that recovery is a process, you know, treatment is a process, and this is what the process looks like. And at this moment, you're here in the process. And after, after you're done with our program, which is this 30, 45 day program, then you will be here in the, pro in the process. And then after that, you'll be here in the process. So really, um, breaking it down into realistic terms into, and what the reality of recovery looks like. You know, that it, it's not, um, you know, it's not just hope, right? There's a combination of hope and uh, life skills and behavior and community and, um, and, and, and there's all of these different levels of intensity. And so really, uh, really driving that home that this is, especially when they're at peaks, but they're at the beginning of the process, not at the end of the process. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of families are so exhausted by the time they even get to, the starting, uh, get to the starting line that they're just praying that it's the end. But being able for us to really educate and provide them with the level of support that says, hey, no, you, we're actually at the beginning. You know? so, but we, we're going to tell you, we're going to help you see what that end looks like, and we're going to help your loved one get to that process. But right now, this is where we are. Absolutely. Well, uh, for a first time show here, I feel like that was a rather successful discussion, certainly entry level, and I'm sure we could expand on this for hours, but I appreciate everybody joining us today. Mm -hmm. um, and it's our intention moving forward out of this beta phase to really explore topics and ideas within addiction treatment and bring that education to families um, and their loved ones as they you know, seek uh, addiction treatment or mental health services. And so. Um, on behalf of Peaks Recovery Centers and uh, my colleagues here, Clint and Jason, um, wish you all well and signing off.